Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Well, um, we've just finished a series for Lawful the One in the heart of Luke 15. And um, we wanted to take this moment to, to give three people an opportunity for seven minutes each. And when I say seven minutes, I mean seven minutes. There's going to be a timer on the screen. Which means after seven minutes, you can start booing them. Not only that, but they are going to stop. And um, the reason we do that is because actually we are a family and there are different kinds of voices and there are different voices that God wants to release in times. And sometimes we don't always have opportunities for that. And we believe we can actually share and communicate the gospel in different ways, different forms. So this is a fun moment. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to sit back like an English cricket crowd drinking tea on a Sunday afternoon watching the good cricketers play cricket. And when they do a right and hit a four, they do this, you know? It's like the non-noise clap. It's like we're happy and we don't know it. No one knows it. These guys are first-time preachers, not the last one, but first-time teachers in this pulpit on a Sunday. And, and, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to get excited about the gospel. And we're going to celebrate them because behind the seven minutes are years and years of living life and, and pursuing Jesus and engaging. Behind the seven minutes are stories of victories. Behind the seven minutes are people who've navigated across borders into new countries and found confidence in Jesus. Behind the seven minutes is a young man who's engaged Jesus in a tough time of life and found him and held on to him and wouldn't let go. Behind these seven minutes are, are people who've come from difficult scenarios and navigated journeys into fullness and fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. Seven minutes is just a snapshot. But we're going to celebrate the big story in just seven minutes. And I'm not asking for fake claps or laughs, but I'm going to ask that we would be the most encouraging crowd in the world. Is that all right? And um, so I'm going to ask uh, our first weapon of choice to come up. Where's Josh? And... um, I want to tell you this, not one minute or second of these three people is tokenism. We believe in them. I mean that. I mean that. We haven't chosen, oh, let's get a young guy who can wear shorts because his legs fill them out nicely. It's not what we've done, although that's true as well. This young guy has pursued God. And um, he's led us. He continues to lead us. I want to just take a moment. Lana McGaw, this is your boy. And um, you have been a phenomenal father to him, and uh, you are a phenomenal man. And for your son to stand up here today is hugely, hugely, because of everything you are and have been to him and to us as a community. And um, I'm so grateful for you, and I'm so grateful that, that Jesus has your heart, and I'm so grateful that you are a father who's held on to him, regardless of seasons, storms, winds that have blown. And um, we really do honor you tonight. And as your boy preaches, I pray that you would feel the favor of heaven tonight. And so we thank you. And, and um, I'm not going introduce, to introduce every speaker. This is Josh. Um, then we have Mary Yeager, who's up next. And um, she's like the boss of the whole airport, uh, I think, sort of. And then Wayne Barthas is going to get up and preach. So... Have fun. I'm going to pray for all three of them as I pray for Josh. Lord, I thank you for these amazing weapons in your hands, gifts to this church at this time and for this nation. I pray, anoint them, guide them, lead them, give them confidence and courage 
and have all the glory, King. Have fun, bud. Sweet. Hello, everyone. So I got told I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to jump straight into it. So here we go. So I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 15, verse 20. This is the part of the prodigal son's story. In a, basically, this is the part where he's coming home. He's on his way um, home to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Then he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, let me just tell you another story to help you illustrate why I chose this particular verse. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever known that feeling. So you're sitting, it's nice and cold in the evening. You're sitting in your bed. It's, um, there's a bit of light in the sun outside. Nothing too hectic, but um, stuff slowly gets real, and like the lightning gets a bit more intense. And you're like, okay, this is, this is happening. Your kitchen cupboard starts opening by itself. Um, and then eventually you put your blanket over your head, cover yourself up just to make sure you're a bit safe. And then eventually life gets really real and things start happening. And eventually you just say, okay, this is enough. The kitchen cupboard completely falls off the thing. And then you run all the way to your parents' room. And the minute you're in your father's um, arms, you feel so much safer, even though lightning can still shock him. But it's just a feeling. And now why I tell you that little um, stupid little story is that the difference between that little story where you run to your father, in this prodigal son story, God runs to his son. And I think that's such a powerful thing. And for me, I believe that is the essence of the gospel. And that the fact that we didn't have to do anything, that God ran to us before we even thought about running to him. And that's also what leads me to my first point. Is that God seeks first. And that... um. If you look at all the stories in Luke 15, the shepherd and the coin and the um, father, the shepherd goes out to his sheep. The lady looks for a coin and the father runs to his son. And this is so cool as um, there's many other common things. But to have this common theme in this um, scripture that God always pursues his children is such a powerful thing, I think. And in other places in the Bible, not just in Luke 15, is the fact that um, if you look at Adam and Eve way back in Genesis, is that when Adam and Eve messed up and they sinned, and they, this is the part time where they like they stuffed up big time, and they ate the fruit, and there's a lot of sin, but God still came into the garden and shouted and asked them where they were and pursued them. And I think that's just so powerful and just shows the heart of God the Father that we serve. Um, and then another point I'd like to point out is that God seeks further. And if you look at it, it says, even though the son was a long way off, the father ran. So in my opinion, the, the father was on his nice little farmhouse on the second story drinking coffee or something. And then I imagine this like 400 meter driveway with a gate. And the son was probably like down the road when he saw him. And the father, I rate, he did like a 100 kilometer sprint. Just to, just to, or 400 meter, 400 meter run to get to his son. And this just shows how the father is so relentless in the way he pursues us. That if the shepherd probably went over mountains, valleys, fell into the mud, got thorns, sore feet, but yet he still pursued and found his sheep. The lady literally ripped up her whole house to just get this one coin. And that just shows that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter what story you're from, God will always pursue you. And, um, and I just think that's so powerful, especially in my life, as things have been real for the last two years with family and that kind of thing. And just to know that there's a Father in heaven who keeps pursuing me and keeps loving me no matter what, is such comforting and just gives me such a drive to keep on going, or else this life will be pointless without the Father who um, pursues us. And then just to end off, um, in my opinion, this little scripture of just how the Father pursues us no matter what and always is, how, is basically the gospel in a sense. And it's, 
for me, it sounds really simple, and it is actually simple if you look at it, but it, yet we need to keep reminding ourselves that God is a Father who runs and loves us always. Yes. Amen. Supers. He runs the, the Big Bay Park run in 19 minutes, and he does a seven-minute preach in three minutes 40. That's right there. Nailed it. We love you, buddy. We're proud of you. Where's Mary Yeager? Where are you? Come on. Can I ask you to open your heart? So this is a profoundly amazing young lady and um, with a very fancy jacket on tonight. All right. Um, we're going to speak from Luke. Um, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. This is a father whose eyes and grace forever remain on us. This is a father that has never kept his eyes off the one that wandered off. Um, his, his son was still far away, but he saw him and he was filled with compassion. Um, our father watches over us. He never abandons us. He's a God that never gives up on us. He waits to welcome us home that we may know and that we may experience at a feast that he has laid out for us. Our, the stench of the son who had been with the pigs did not scare the father away. How often do we drift away in sin and think that we need to be cleaned up or we need to get our acts straight together before we come back to, to Jesus? How often do we in our human minds think there's no way that God the Father can forgive this? We haven't understood grace if we think our works and good deeds will lead God to love us or to forgive us. It is by grace we have been saved through faith that no one may boast. Grace is a free gift from God, and ours is to receive that free gift. While we were still sinners, Christ died. God lavishes his love on us according to his riches of his grace and his mercy. He's an extravagant God. He ran to the son that not so long ago disowned him. When we sin, the safest place we can be is wrapped in his love and to allow the embrace and the kiss of God to cover us. The, the father takes the weight and the offense of sin on himself. He puts on us his clean robe. God delights when his children come home. He delights in saving his children. God knew where the son had been. God knows where you have been. When we sin, um, our, the place that we need to come is just to run back to Jesus. God knows where you, you have been, but he longs for us to run to him. So he can celebrate the salvation of his sons and daughters. Sons and daughters coming home just as they are and allowing God to take them on a journey of sanctification. We struggle with God the Father as we are waiting for the condemning words. Fathers are hard and condemning at times, but not God. Won't we be those while people are far away see them and invite them into that same story that God has for them and for us? We have tasted and we have seen the goodness of God. May we be those that tell others of the same goodness. May we celebrate when his children come home. May we celebrate that love. He is a faithful God. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. And his reaction to the son is one that I was never used to. 
he couldn't but help but be moved with, with affection for his son. When I recommitted my heart to Jesus, I came with a stench, speaking of shame, fear, guilt of years in the pig den, seeking what I deemed life. Yet the father, while I was unclean, he saw me. I couldn't wrap my head around this term, father. Of course, I knew the word and I had all the head knowledge of father and the meaning. But my only reality to a father was a very physically abusive father that never showed up. And for me, I could not relate to God the Father because that was my only reference. Um, I hated my dad and for me there was no love lost. Only later in life did God show me in my sin, um, just show me with, with his grace my sin in that he calls us to honor our parents and authority over our lives. I could never relate or even call God Father. So here I am, God taking me on a journey and him wanting to, refi- to reveal and restore not only Father, but to take away fear, shame, condemnation and clothe me with his love. I wish I can say that it was an easy journey, but God took me on such a long, painful, yet restorative journey where he showed and reveals to me not only Father, but he took away fear, he took away shame and he took away guilt. Through through God's grace, God's word, him placing fathers around me, him placing me in a very Christ-centered community, he has redeemed father, and he's taken away guilt and shame. I love my earthly father, not a perfect one, but God has restored. And this is a reckless love, as I had nothing but shame and guilt to offer, yet he chased me and he loved me when I couldn't love myself. Therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. This is the story of God's grace that he calls us into. I waited for the condemnation from the Father to come, but it didn't. I couldn't believe that a God would love a sinner like me. Today is the day of salvation. He is the Father choosing to hang out with sinners like us. He is a good Father. The word says love covers over a multitude of sins. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion. Won't we be those that are bold and tell of what God has done so that we can see him do it again and again and again? God calls us into the places with our candles burning bright. He calls us um, to seek out those that can't see. He calls us to seek out sons, our sons, our daughters, our fathers, that they may taste and see that he is good. Not, God is not willing that any might perish. He's a good father and the God that loves us. May we carry our candles. May we light our worlds. Oh, wow. Oh, that's amazing. Well, Mary. Okay, I'm going to kick it right off. I was told not to. Hannah, Hannah. If you know what that is, that means don't take too long. Um, this evening, I'm going to speak about a word that has so f- filled my heart when I read it in this verse, and I'm going to just read it first, and then I'm going to highlight it for you. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. That word is compassion. And Mary has used that word about two or three times. How beautiful is that, that God would lead me into that word this, this evening. Because that word has got, it's not a, I, I want to tell you two things about that word this evening, what it is and what it's not. Is that okay? What it is, 
compassion means to see the suffering of another and to suffer with him. It's seeing someone in pain or despair and having the desire to relieve it. That is what passion is. What it is not, it is not a momentary feeling or emotion. It is not wishing you could do something, but seemingly unable to offer any help. Henry J. Nowen says it this way, and in his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, he says, Compassion asks us to give where it hurts, to enter into places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. Compassion is the full commitment to see others set free. It is an action, not an emotion. And I can tell you that now, and I've got three points that I want to illustrate that by. First one is, he reached out. Verse 20 says, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He reached out. I was hijacked many years ago, 2002, and I was in the boot of a car. And I had a friend with me. Mind you, that boot was big enough. And so both of us went into this boot. And we were in this boot on our way to our death. How do I know that? Because every time they say, if a person doesn't wear disguise, you're in trouble. And these guys didn't. And in the boot of the car, <clears throat> we were all panicking. Both of us panicking. He was saying to the guys, please, don't do anything. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to say anything. Just let us go. Let us go. And I was quiet. And I thought, what do I do in a moment like this? And I said, Lord, your will be done. There's nothing else I can do. Your will be done. And there's this peace that came over me. And I felt a hand reaching into the boot. I felt a hand reaching into the boot. And there's this calmness that came over me. A calmness that I cannot explain. And I turned to my friend and I said to him, Calvin, it's going to be okay. Calvin turned to me and he said, and I'm going to say this in Afrikaans because it's the best way I can express it. And that was the reality of having peace and not having peace. Reaching out, the Father's hand that reaches out brings peace. Verse 22, number two, he covered me. And I want to say this at a time when I didn't know where I was. I walked into a church and I thought I could quietly just raise my hand and no one would notice. And an usher next to me said, well done, you've given your life to the Lord. Now take that step forward. And I thought, oh, goodness me, these ushers are everywhere. So I ended up walking to the front. But while I was walking to the front, people were cheering me on. And I felt this cloak coming over me. I felt something coming over me that thought, the world means absolutely nothing. I am in the presence of my dad. And Jesus made it possible. Jesus made it possible. Point number three, he restored me. Do you see where I'm standing today? Do you know what restoration looks like? I can tell you where I was, but it won't matter. I'll tell you where I am. It matters more. His name is Jesus, and he's done this for me. I'm standing here today because the Father said, I'm going to restore you. I'm not just going to reach out. I'm not just going to cover. I'm going to restore what the enemy has taken away from you. I'm standing here today as a living testimony. Compassion restores. Compassion 
it reaches out and it covers. It's not an empty word. It's not an empty emotion. It's an action. It speaks life over us. But the best of all for compassion is this. Verse 21, he said, he said to his son, he, his son said to him, sorry, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called a son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. No questions asked. No questions asked. There's no such thing as father referring you to the past. He doesn't look for excuses. He doesn't want to listen to anything that you've got to say about your past. He knows where he's taking you. Quick, bring the finest robe and he'll cover you. Henry, no one says this. When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, far from him, Christ died for us. No questions asked. This evening, Jesus is ready to reach out. He's ready to cover you. And he's ready to restore you. The best of all is, he won't ask any questions of where you were. Are you ready for him?